All right, well, good evening, Last Casas family. I hope y'all are doing well. Um, thank you just for tuning in again, how you could be doing anything else and choosing uh, to tune in just to, uh, to the live stream tonight. We're continuing our sermon series going through the Sermon on the Mount called Kingdom Minded, where we're just looking at what does it truly mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to live for the kingdom? And so tonight what we're going to be looking at is Matthew 5, verse 10, where it's blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So if you have your copy of God's Word, I want to go ahead and open to it, to Matthew 5. And uh, this, this uh, it's kind of finalizing, coming to full circle, uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ in this verse in Matthew 5, 10, of just being persecuted for righteousness' sake. And it just seems like in today's society that the more we want to continue to live for Christ, the more the world seems to become opposed to Christ. But even then, we are still to pursue onward. We're still to live for him. We're still to have him be above anything else and live for his approval more than the world's approval. In fact, as I was preparing for this sermon, I was reminded uh, just within the past day or two how we lost a dear brother in the faith in Ravi Zacharias, how, how he lived such an incredible life that how he would travel to so many different universities and so many different venues where there might be people that were drastically opposed to just how, uh, what he believed and how he would still be able to answer questions and treat people with truth and love and grace just as Christ was. How he never wavered in his beliefs and how now he's able to rejoice in heaven with Christ. How all that labor he had all on this earth, was not in vain. But now he's able to enjoy the rewards that Christ has given him, which I know he's just going to cast right back at the feet of Jesus, saying he is enough. And that's something I want us to look at tonight, is something that might not uh, be the most popular to talk about. Um, it might not be the most comfortable thing to talk about with persecution, but it's a real thing. That we as, as followers of Christ, that if we continue to pursue Christ and live for him, we will face persecution. Now that could come in different forms and shapes, but the thing is, when we are living for Christ, we are living in a way that is so countercultural, so in contrast, so in just polar opposites of the world and their philosophy. <clears throat> Here's the thing, we as fallen sinful human beings, we, we try to avoid suffering at all costs. We try to avoid confrontation. We try to avoid suffering at all costs. And our natural bent is we want to live for our own approval. We want to live for our own approval rather than, let's say, living for Christ or, or living for, let's say, dealing with suffering. We don't want to deal with that. We try to avoid that at all costs. But here's the thing as we continue to see what does it mean to be a true follower of Christ. How the gospel commands and empowers us to do different things. Here's the thing about tonight is that the gospel promises both earthly suffering and heavenly rewards. And so if you are following along with your notes, that is actually the main point of this passage. This main, uh, the main point of this verse I want us to look at tonight is this, is that the gospel promises both earthly suffering and heavenly rewards. That, that we are going to face suffering and difficulties in this life. But 
We also want to look at how it helps us get through this life and endure through this life and how it pales in comparison to the rewards that are waiting for us on the other side. So with that, I'm going to open up to Matthew 5, verse 10. So if you have that, that is what we will be looking at. Where it says this, this is the word of the Lord. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just thank you so much for tonight. Thank you just so much for your word how it is just sharper than any double-edged sword, how it is living and active, and how it both just confronts us, it equips us, it encourages us. Thank you that just it rebukes us, but it also helps us become more like your son Jesus and all the good works you have prepared for us. So I pray for tonight that you will help us understand this passage, Holy Spirit, as only you can. That is just you are the author of this. You're also the one that helps us understand this and live this out. So would you just during this time, would you just hide me behind your word and let it speak for itself? Would you just let me hide behind your cross and let that be what's presented before everyone? That it will not be anything of my own opinion, but it is only your truth. Your truth that sets people free. Your truth that brings transformation. Your truth in which this world truly truly, desperately needs. So would you just give me your words and not my own? Would you let me preach your word, not mine? I pray all of this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. So as we've been going through this whole series, something we've always looked at is there's two different sides of this verse. There's two different aspects of this verse. There is the attitude we are to have, and then there is the blessing that comes from having that attitude. And so tonight, if you're following along your notes, the attitude that we are to have is this. We are to have faithful endurance. We are to have faithful endurance. So as always, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So if that's the attitude we are to have, then we've got to understand even more, what does that attitude mean? What does it mean to be persecuted? What does it mean for righteousness sake? And so here's what it means to be persecuted is this, is to be or become subject to systematic harassment and, ta- and attack due to one's religious belief. So that's what we're persecuted for, that, that to be or become subject to harassment and attack for our own belief. And so what is that belief that we are being attacked for, that we're being harassed for? It is this. It's for righteousness sake. Righteousness meaning adherence to what is required according to a standard. Adherence to what is required according to a standard. So, of course, what that standard is, it is God's holy, perfect standard that we are pursuing. And, of course, we cannot attain that by our own measures. It's only by the righteousness of Christ that is imputed upon us when we repent of our sins and believe in him but it does not stop us from continually pursuing him. Because here's the thing, as we adhere to the standard that Christ calls for us, he says to be holy just as God is holy, which means we are to follow the example of Christ. That means that there is sacrifice involved with following Christ. To be persecuted for righteousness sake is to have harassment intact to being fully submitted to Christ. Because here's the thing, the gospel commands sacrifice. The gospel commands sacrifice on our end because what we are supposed to do as it's clearly laid out in Luke 9.23 is this, is that if we are to be a follower of Christ, we are to daily deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. That requires sacrifice. That means one of the things we sacrifice is we deny ultimately what we want. 
We deny our our heart's desires, but instead we pick up our cross. We pick up our cross and follow Christ. What it means to pick up our cross, it means we make our faith our own. It means we cannot piggyback off the faith of our parents. We cannot piggyback off the faith of, let's say, our best friends or pastors or Sunday school teachers or grandparents. We cannot piggyback off those. We must pick up our own cross and we must follow Christ daily. We are to follow Christ regardless of where he takes us. And so here's the thing. The more we follow Christ, the more we will see his call for us to follow him is in total contrast to the philosophy of the world. That what he is calling us to do and live is in total contrast, total opposition of what the world calls us to live by. What the world says how we are to live by. And we'll see that more and more. That the more we follow him, the more we'll see how we cannot live for both the world and for Christ. In fact, some ways that Jesus clearly lays this out is in Matthew 6, 24, just a chapter over where he says, look, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot. Because here's the thing, in the end, you'll ultimately love one and hate the other. In the end, you'll ultimately be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve two masters. We cannot be serving and living for the approval of both the world and for Christ. Uh, it also says how in Matthew twelve thirty, where Jesus simply says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. That we cannot be playing both sides of this. In James, he, he goes even a step further. Right? In James 4, 4, he says, to be friends with the world is to be enemies with God. That, that there, is, there is no way we can both be following the philosophy of the world and following the example of Christ. They're both at odds. In fact, in John 15, 18 through 20, Jesus says this. Jesus says, look, the world hated me first. If, if, that if we were of the world, we would be loved by the world. But, if, but since we have been chosen by God and called to no longer live for this world, but for the world to come, that this world is passing away, but we're living for the world that never ends, that's going to cause just opposition. It's going to cause confrontation. Because here's the thing. Jesus says a servant is not greater than his master. So if they persecuted Jesus, then they will persecute us. That they persecuted Jesus to the point of crucifying him. Because it was in total opposition to what the world says. And so that means we're going to have to sacrifice things as we pursue Christ. Maybe we're going to have to sacrifice some of our own personal comfort. Maybe we're going to have to sacrifice different things. Maybe it could be a promotion at a job. Maybe it could be these things as we face things. Because ultimately, we are to live for Christ and for his approval more than live for the world and their approval. So if the gospel demands and commands sacrifice, then that begs some questions, such as how much are we willing to sacrifice for Christ? How much are we willing to step out in faith and live for him, regardless of how others may respond to that? Has our faith truly cost us anything? Has your faith as you follow Christ truly cost you anything throughout that walk? Do we desire Christ and making him known more than we care about ourselves and making ourselves comfortable? 
That is what we have to truly ask ourselves. Do we desire more of making Christ known and seeking his approval rather than just trying to care more about ourselves and just trying to make ourselves comfortable? Another way Jesus beautifully just lays this out is in Matthew 16, 24 through 27, where it says, look, whoever loses his life gains it. Whoever loses his life gains it. But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? He had forfeit his soul. What, what does it profit that, that if he gains the whole world, he seeks all the approval of, of earth and gains all the things that, that the world could offer him. But in the end, it just is empty. In the end, it won't count because this world is passing away. In fact, at the very end of that passage in Matthew 16, Jesus says that he will return and pay everyone back for what they have done. So, How will Christ repay you? How will Christ repay us when he returns? Will it be positive or negative? Will it be for the things that we have done for him? Or will it be for the things that we have done for the world? Because as we continue to follow Christ, we will see that there is no middle ground on this. That we will have to live for him. That we will have to make a decision of living for Christ or living for the world. That we cannot serve two masters. And that if we pursue Christ and pursue his righteousness, if we truly hunger and thirst for his righteousness, then we will be persecuted for that sake. And so why are we persecuted? Like I said, it's because we are living for Christ. And living for Christ goes in polar contrast to living for the world. In fact, Jesus lays this out even more in John 12, 23-25, just as 18-20 through 20 said, Look, that just as they hated me and persecuted me, they're going to hate you and persecute you. That if you were living for them, they would love you. But since you're living for me and I called you out of this world, they're going to hate you and persecute you for that, just as they did for me. Jesus goes on even further in verses 23-25 where it says this, that Jesus came and he exposed the world's sin. He, he exposed the world's sin and he made all of us guilty of our sin and leaving nobody without an excuse. That nobody has an excuse for the sin that we're living in, that Jesus came to expose that. In fact, we see when we started this whole series that before Jesus started this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus came starting his ministry by saying, look, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He came saying, Repent. That repent, meaning we have to turn from a way of living. We have to turn from our sins. We have to turn from our ways that we are living against Christ instead of living for the world. Instead, we are to repent of that and turn to him. And Jesus makes that abundantly clear through his message, the life he lived, through his ministry. And as we have seen with these Beatitudes, as we continue to understand Christ, as we continue to see what it means to be a true follower of him, then we will see the ways, how his ways go against the philosophy of the world. Just as kind of a couple examples of this, how you hear a lot of times the world say, follow your heart. But God's word says that the heart is wicked and full of deceit. How the world will say, speak your truth. And that truth is merely relative. That whatever you believe is what you believe. And that's what it's true. Well, Jesus says, no, he says, preach the gospel. And he says he is the truth, not just a truth. How the world will say that there's, there's multiple ways to heaven. That we're all just different paths on a mountain leading up to the top of it. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Jesus says he is the way. And no one comes to the Father except through him. 
You see, when we start understanding more of Christ and more of these claims and following more of this, we will see how it goes in polar opposition to the world. So as we grow more in our relationship with Christ and become more like him, then we will see that opposition. Because as I said, as we grow more in Christ, then we're going to be delivering this message to a world that is fallen and sinful, just as we are, just as we were before we were saved by Christ, and we're still fallen and sinful in need of Christ. And we're continually pursuing him. We're telling others to repent, to truly come to Christ, to find true fulfillment, true salvation. And of course, that's going to go in opposite of what the world says. It's, it's how just the sin that we were born with, our sin nature bent towards that way. So here's the thing that we got to understand. If, if you're following along your notes, here's what we got to understand. The more we become like Christ, the more we'll be persecuted like Christ. The more we become as the person of Christ that he's called us to be, more of the follower that he's calling us to be, the more we'll be persecuted just like he was. Because see, we are following his example. And in Christ's example, he even said, look, they hated me. They persecuted me to the point where they crucified me on a cross. And if the servant is not greater than his master, then they're going to do the same thing to you as you continue to follow me, as you continue to live for the kingdom of heaven, as you continue to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, as we continue to proclaim the gospel and live for the gospel. A way I would describe it, kind of as I said last week, an illustration I would use for this is imagine someone, imagine even a group of people are standing inside a really extremely dark room and they've been living in a dark room their whole life. And then you flip the lights on. It's not immediately that they're going to be receptive of that. They're, they're going to squint and cringe and cower and, and maybe even be angry of why they would do that. That they might even get just hostile towards that. Why? Because they were a lot more comfortable in the dark. They were a lot more comfortable in that. And, and as soon as you flip the light on and, and expose these things and, and help them try to see, they're not exactly going to be the most receptive initially. And that's how some people might be, that, that what we're doing is we're following the example of Christ, how Christ exposes our sin and how we shine a light on sin and say, look, we, we are all sinful. We all fall short of the glory of God and we all need redemption. We all need a savior. And so when we do that, that is going to cause hostility amongst people. How there is fallen sinful beings that want to still stay in that darkness. They want to stay in that way of living. They want to stay in that because they're more comfortable with that. We're not called to that. That we are called to continue to to expose sin. We continue to point people to Jesus. Because here's the thing. Yes, Jesus did expose all of our sin. Yes, Jesus did leave us without any sort of uh, reason, any sort of just excuse for that. But here's the thing. Jesus did not stop there. That is not the end of the gospel. The gospel is not just simply, hey, you're sinful. And that's it. No, it doesn't stop there. Here's the beautiful thing. Jesus didn't just expose our sin, but he also died for our sins. He also died for our sins. How it says in Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were in rebellion against him, he still died for us. He still loved us. He still cared for us. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, how it says we are dead in our trespasses. 
how we're living under the power of just this world and Satan. But it says, but God, who is rich and mercy with his great love he had for us, made us alive in Christ. Here's the thing. Yes, Jesus exposed our sin. Yes, Jesus showed that none of us, none of us measure up to his standard. Yes, Jesus left none of us with an excuse for that. However, Jesus also gives us a way out of that. Jesus presents the only way that we can be saved from those same sins that he exposed. And that is by repenting of those sins, by turning away from those sins, by no longer desiring to live for those, but instead living for Christ. By believing in him, believing that his finished work on the cross is enough, that he lived a perfect, sinless life, that he died on the cross to pay for the penalty for all of our sins, for all of time, that he was buried, but he was resurrected bodily out of the grave, overcoming sin and death. And he has ascended back up into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, beckoning us to come home as he prepares a place for us. He didn't just expose us of our sin. That's not the end, but that he gives us a way to be reconciled back to God. Because here's the thing. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. All are separated from God because of our sin. But at the same time, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved from their sin. This means that no one is too far gone from the gospel. This means that Christ is greater than the world and all it could offer. And and this is why we live for him. This is why we go proclaim the gospel to fallen sinful world, fallen sinful people that need the gospel. That we're saying, look, we're exposing the light on this. And I know it's hard and we might face hostility for this, but we look beyond that. We look at people that Christ died for just as he died for us. We look at people that need this gospel message just as much as we do. That we look beyond that, that we know it's, it's all worth it. That we see just as Christ stopped at nothing in his pursuit, living for, living for God, and he stopped at nothing in pursuing us. That we stop at nothing for living for Christ in our pursuit of others, to tell others about Christ. Here's the thing. As we go and proclaim the gospel to a fallen sinful world, and we say how they are to repent, we will receive opposition. We will receive opposition. We will receive persecution. But we will also receive the blessing that is promised from this. That yes, we are to have faithful endurance until the end. And Christ, just as he endured until the end, he gives us the grace to be able to endure until the end. To endure through the opposition. To endure through just the persecution. Because here is the blessing that we will receive, which is this. It's our second main point. And here's the blessing that we have. It's the promise of heaven. It's the promise of heaven. Just as it says in this, it says, Blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Something that is so interesting is that here in verse 10, it kind of rounds off the Beatitudes. It kind of has the Beatitudes come full circle, if you will. That it started in verse 3, where it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it ends by saying, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How it starts by saying, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and ends for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But everything in between it says, for they shall inherit this, for they shall receive this. 
What, what that is saying is that it starts with the kingdom of heaven and ends with the kingdom of heaven. That it starts and ends with Christ. That it is all about Jesus Christ. That here's the thing we must understand. Our salvation starts and ends with Christ. Our salvation from beginning to end is all about Jesus Christ. The way we're able to truly come to faith in Christ is because of Christ. The reason we're able to continue to run this race is because of Christ. The reason we're able to cross the finish line and come into heaven is because of Christ. Our salvation starts and ends with Christ. So here's the thing in verse 3 where it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Just as only those who have truly repented of their sins and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ shall receive salvation. It ends with this. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Meaning only those who have truly endured for the sake of Christ shall receive the promise of heaven and the rewards there. Because here's the thing, just as it starts and ends with this, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven at the beginning and end. That means this, that there is a progression from that start to that ending. There is a progression from those that are poor in spirit to those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. That means that these verses in between of those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, that is a progression we are to have as a follower of Christ. That means if we have truly repented of our sins and believed in him, that we will live for the kingdom of heaven. And here's the thing, these verses in between are characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. They're characteristics of his coming kingdom. And those, those characteristics that we see in verses 3 through 10 and in even more specifically in verses 4 through 9, those characteristics are to become even more evident in our lives as we continue to pursue Christ and continue to live for him. That if we truly have repented initially and we're living these things out, becoming more like Christ in these ways we see, then yes, we will face persecution because of that. But it says we are given the promise of heaven. Because here's the thing, these characteristics will continue to become more evident in our life. But here's the thing, as I've said, this is a progress. It's about progression, not perfection. Because here's the thing, we also are fallen, sinful human beings. That we are in need of the gospel. We are in need of the gospel, we're in need of the grace of Christ daily. And so yes, we'll continue to pursue these things. It's not like these things are all going to happen overnight. But it's going to be as Luke 9.23 said, we are daily denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following Christ. That it's a day by day, step by step, walk with Christ as we become more like him. As we follow his example, we will take on the likeness of that of whom we are following. So let me ask you this, as far as these characteristics go, that we see in verses 3 through 10, when you look at this list of characteristics, when you look at these attitudes that we are to have of being a true follower of Christ, how many do you see evident in your life? When you look at this list, how many of these would say you see evidence of that in your life? How many of them would you see uh, you really don't see that much evidence of that in your life? How much of these things you say you might see a little bit, but you really need the help of Christ even more with that? Or even to go a step further, if we use this as a test, how well would we do on this test? If we were to say, okay, these attitudes are what it means to be a true follower of Christ, how well do you think you would do 
in regards to this test. Because here's the thing, if we have truly believed in Christ, then these characteristics will slowly become more evident in our life. Because like it says, it says in 1 Timothy 4.15, it says, practice these things, immerse yourself in these things, so that people might see your progress. Not your perfection, but your progress. Because here's the thing, is like I said, the more we become like Christ, the more we see this progression and become like Christ, the more we will be persecuted like Christ, as we said. But here's the thing as well, I want us to understand is that the more we become like Christ, the more we will endure like Christ. Is that the more we become like Christ, the more we will endure like Christ. The more we follow his example, and the more we see how Christ has been faithful, the more we see how Jesus has overcome everything, the more we see that Jesus is better and worth everything, the more we'll be able to endure like him as we follow his example. In fact, the more we'll be like Christ when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane where where he was about to be betrayed, where where he is sweating drops of blood and he's in this intense situation, but still he says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. The more we become like Christ, the more we'll be able to say, just as Jesus did, regardless of how dire the circumstances, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. But here's the thing, Lord, not my kingdom come and not my will be done, but Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. And the beautiful thing about this that we must understand is eventually the kingdom of heaven will come. And God's will will be done. And so here's the thing, when the kingdom of heaven comes, it is promised to those that are persecuted for righteousness sake, that endure until the end because of Christ. Here's the thing, not for their own sake and not for the world's sake but for Christ's sake, on account of Christ. The kingdom of heaven is not promised either to just anybody who receives unfairness. And it's not promised to just anyone who receives persecution, but for only the reason, only for those who have suffered for righteousness sake, only for those who have suffered on account of Christ. But here's the thing that we must continue to understand. We have the promise of heaven, which means this, our suffering now pales in comparison to the glory that awaits us. This is beautifully put in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, where it says this light momentary affliction is, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that he is preparing for us. That it pales in comparison just to the eternal weight of glory that waits for us there. That no matter how much pressure we feel in this life, no matter how much we endure in this life, that we stand face to face with Christ, that magnitude will be so much greater than the magnitude of suffering we face here. How it says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. That we've seen all the people that have faithfully run before us, that have faithfully endured until the end. The hall of faith, if you will. That we have seen people live for Christ, pursue Christ, tell others about Christ, and endure faithfully until the end. And now we are able to follow their example, and ultimately the example of Christ, by laying aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us, and ensnares us, and weighs us down, so that we might pursue Christ who is the founder and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, despised the cross, took that on, forgave us of all of our sins, and is able to save us, and is able to secure us, and helps us every step of the way. Here's a beautiful thing. Christ has run this race. It's not that Christ is calling us to something he has not done himself. So Christ has run this race that he is calling us to run as well. Because here's the thing, 
Just as Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says Christ is the founder of our faith, it says he is also the perfecter of our faith. Which means this, is Christ not only places us in this race, and he's not only waiting at the finish line for us, but he helps us get to the finish line every step of the way. That we're able to follow his example. He was able to endure, just as he's calling us to faithfully endure until the end. And here's the beautiful thing we will see with the promise of heaven is this, is that the more we endure like Christ, the more we will be rewarded by Christ. The more we endure like Christ, the more we will be rewarded by Christ. That we will see the kingdom of heaven being more and more established here on earth. That we will see Christ more and more reconciling people back to himself. And then we're able to see that if we have truly repented of our sins, if we've truly believed in Christ, and then if we endure on account of Christ, if we endure with him by his grace until the end, we will also see the full establishment of his kingdom here on earth, where he wipes every tear away, where he rights every wrong. That in that moment, when we see Christ face to face, everything else we have faced up to that point will pale in comparison, you know, during this season of COVID, um, just how so many things have been thrown off, how so many schedules have just been so thrown off in this. And one of the things I think of as we get closer and closer to June is I think about all of our graduating seniors from, from high school and even from those in college. But I think about those that just all the years of hard work all the nights of maybe staying up late and studying or working on a paper or working on a project, all of those difficult times just spending long hours, let's say, in the library or in our rooms or wherever it was working on these things. Just how in the moment it was just so difficult and in the moment it was just so even frustrating at times. In the moment, it could be so tempting to be like, what's the point? I just want to give up and throw in the towel. But then there's that moment that I really hope and pray that, that our high school seniors and our college seniors are able to experience. And maybe even you can remember that time in, in high school and or college when, when all those years, all those years of hard work and labor and working tirelessly towards that, we're able to walk across stage and you're able to grab a hold of that diploma and you said, wow, my labor was not in vain. All this hard work paid off and I finally am able to receive this. That I've worked hard towards this degree. And here I am finally receiving that reward. I can only imagine as I think about that, how much greater will it be when we're, so to speak, walk across the stage of heaven and are able to see Christ face to face. That, that all this hard work, all these persecution, all this opposition, all these hardships, all these trials and tribulations that we face, how all of it will melt away and just pale in comparison and being face to face with our Lord and Savior that we endured with, that was able to help us endure until the end. Think about this, just the, maybe the weight of all the pressure we are feeling right now. Maybe you're in the middle of hardships and trials and tribulations and difficulties, and it is hard that you just feel the weight of the world on your shoulders as you face these hardships. How incredible it would be when we endure until the end 
that the weight of all of this melts away and pales in comparison and all is just turned upside down by one simple statement. Well done, good and faithful servant. That in that moment, everything is worth it. That in that moment, all these things that we labored for and pursued for, we're able to see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then that moment, he will repay us for all that he has done for him. And of course, in the end, it won't even matter because in the end, when we receive these crowns and rewards, we'll say, you can have them. You can, I don't want them. I want more of you, Christ, because you are enough. And that is what we will see in the end. That just as, as I said in the beginning, just as Ravi Zacharias finished his race well, now we heard, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me ask you this. What will you hear on that day? What will you hear on that day when you stand face to face with Christ? How will Christ repay you for what you've done? Whether it be stuff we've done for the world or stuff that you've done for him. What will you hear? How will he repay you? In fact, maybe there are some of you that are watching this and that you are not a follower of Christ. And and you see, wow, I've tried to pursue all these things. I've tried to gain everything. I've tried to gain the whole world. Popularity, money, influence, power, all these things, and none of it seems to satisfy that, that none of it seems to help. Well, here's my encouragement for you. It's that you can receive salvation today. That if you will turn from those sins, if you will repent of those sins, repent of that pursuit of the world, pursuit of your own heart's desire, instead turn to Christ and believe in him, believe in his finished work on the cross, say that Jesus is enough, that yes, I fall short of his standard, but I turn to him knowing that he is the only one. He's the only one that can forgive me of my sins and reconcile me back to Christ. You can have that happen tonight. So I implore you, if, you, if you've never trusted in Christ, I implore you tonight to turn from your sins, repent and believe, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Maybe there's some of you that are watching and you are a believer, but you are struggling right now, that you are in the middle of hardship, that you're in the middle of these things. And even if you said, you know what? I I can look at these characteristics. I can look at these attitudes and I can say there are some of these, maybe a lot of these that are not evident in my life. Here's my encouragement for you. Is that his mercies are new every day. That again, Christ helps us every step of the way. You're not alone in this that you can turn from that and turn back to him and you can continue to live for Christ today. That you have a savior that loves you so dearly that meets you where you're at and picks you back up but doesn't call you to stay there and helps you every step of the way to become more like him. And that he places you in a family. That as I continue to say, if we are in Christ, we are family. We help each other. We stir each other up towards good works to pursue Christ, to become fully mature in Christ. So if you are struggling Know that you are never too far gone from forgiveness. And you can continue, you can live for Christ tonight. Lastly, maybe there's some of you that are, you are a follower of Christ and you are doing really well right now. That you've seen his faithfulness. That you continue to live for him. That you desire to live for him more. Here's my encouragement for you is never forget where your grace comes from. Never forget where your endurance comes from. 
that, that you preach the gospel to yourself daily, that you daily deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Jesus wherever he takes you. And as you are following him along the way, you're able to encourage those that are struggling, those believers that are struggling and know that you are with them as well, step by step, that we can help each other and keep each other accountable. That you can come alongside those that are unbelievers and that regardless of the persecution they might give to us saying, look, there is a love greater than this. That even while I was a sinner, Christ pursued me. And just as, just as you're a sinner, I'm still gonna pursue you just as Christ pursued me. And remember that your reward is great in heaven. That regardless of this world may throws at us, regardless of what happens, that yes, we will face earthly suffering, but that will pale in comparison to the indescribable, incredible reward that we have in heaven for those that endure on the account of Christ and for the sake of Christ until the very end. Because blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we are just so thankful for you. We cannot thank you enough that yes, you've come and you've exposed us of our sin. That yes, you give us just, you leave us guilty and you leave us without any excuse on our sin, but you also give us a way to be saved from our sin. That if we will repent and believe in you, that we can be saved. That we can continue to live for you in these ways, have these be attitudes, and that yes, as we do, that we will be persecuted by living for you. But we see how you have saved us from our sins, and we see how that is greater than what the world could throw at us or offer us. That if we endure until the end, we will, we will see that our reward is great. And ultimately, it's because we become just, just able to fully enjoy you for all of eternity. So, Lord Jesus, we pray that even in this moment right now, you will help us endure. Regardless of what season we're in, you'll help us endure until the end. Regardless of a mountain high or a valley low, that we will look to you and run our race focused, just laser focused on you as we pursue you. That you help us become more of the people you've called us to be. That you will, you will help us tell other people about Christ. That even though we face opposition, that we will still love our enemies just as you love them. That even as we face opposition, we will still say you are greater and you are above it all because you have given us peace and you have overcome the world. So would you give us endurance till the end? Would you give us the grace to become more like you? Would by the power of your Holy Spirit, you empower us to go tell other people about you, regardless of what persecution or harassment or attacks or difficulties you might face? We know that you are in control. We know that, you, that your kingdom will come and your will be done. And in the end, we will see our reward is great because of you, that you are the ultimate reward. So would you help us? Would you let us be people that endure? Would you let us be people that stand up for our faith and step out and represent you well, regardless of what the world may say, regardless of the rapidly shifting moral landscape, that we will stand up and proclaim Christ crucified. And that we will be saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is only by your grace that we can do this. And it's in the holy, precious, matchless name I pray. Amen.